are back with the Behind the Birds podcast. Me and Nader love using Anchor for our podcasting <laughs> needs. <laughs> wow. On a serious note, we're back. It's we're me. 500, Jay. We're actually All this five, hoopla because we're 500. We're 500 for the first time since, check my watch, September. It's is me. that is that the case? They were, uh, yeah, they have not had a 500 were, record they since one they were one. one and one against the San Francisco 49ers. They were one and one. We yeah, were wow, that's, on this, that we is were, embarrassing. There were weeks we sat on this podcast and it was terrible. The Raiders, terrible. Um, well, we are, we know how bad it was, but it's I, Jay, Eagles underscore Empire, the big end, Nader, Eagles.world. Just the two of us today because the Philly Eagles updates, aka Donovan, MIA, where is he? We don't know. Uh, Max, Eagles Intel apparently has a fever, wild card fever, but he can't join us today. It's your top oh, it's two. Just, yeah, this it's the, your top the, two hosts. It's your money makers. It's the face of the franchise. It's the reason you tune in. Look at the stats. Hashtag, take that for data. How do you feel, Nader? Well, Jay, as I mentioned to you earlier, I have to start this podcast out with an apology love letter to our great head coach, Nick Sirianni. Before I do that, I do want to comment because this just reminded me on his beard because it's very weird. And for some reason, he he shaves it underneath the jawline. So it just stops at the jawline. There's no neck beard. It's very strange. Something about it really looks off to me. But we forgive him because he's done a very good job of adjusting and making, honestly, the adjustments that that we have been calling for on this podcast since September. and, you know, I, I have been not necessarily a Hertz truther, but I, I have believed in Hertz's ability to improve. And I think Hertz has improved. But really, the reason this offense and this team is looking a lot better is because Sirianni and you know, credit to Steve Steichen and Kevin Patullo and most importantly, Jeff Stoutland. I mean, he should probably get the bulk of the credit here. But because of the- Stout- here's a question. Is Jeff Stoutland a Hall of Famer? Oh, without a doubt. I mean, Eagles Hall of Famer. Without a- is he-, he a Hall of Fame? Is- has there ever been an assistant coach in the Hall of Fame? Let me let me, let me hear your thoughts on this take, Jay. He is the mm, I have to say third. He is the third most important coach in Philadelphia Eagles history, behind Andy, Doug, and then Stalin. I would agree. I I would say he's the second best Eagles assistant coach ever, only behind Jimmy J. Sure, sure. But, and I mean, and even there's an argument even there. But and then think about how. Think about how stupid. Think about how stupid this is. Look, if you look at this offensive line, you got Jordan Mailata, who was playing rugby in another continent a couple years ago. Who's, who's an elite, elite left tackle He's right an now? Elite, elite left tackle. One of I he obviously he made some stupid errors today or yesterday or on Sunday, but who cares? Whatever, it happens. But, but the fact that he, like, I remember that first preseason game where he played, and it was like, damn. Can this kid play? Right. Like it was like, and you kid- saw all those film nerds on uh, on Twitter being like, "This guy's good. He's great. He's going to be a player." And everybody was like, "Yeah, okay, sure, whatever." Then he and, hurt and his back. And lo and behold, yeah. And then now he's a probably like a top five left tackle, a top three left tackle in the conference. He, wow, is he amazing? And then yesterday, Sua Opeta, who was an undrafted free agent, I don't even think he played guard and at. At, um, I think he went to the same university as Damian Lillard, Weber, Weber State. Sua? Yeah. He got Jason Kelsey, who honestly, I think Jason Kelsey kind of just fell off like that Doug's like those like years before Doug. And then that's, you know what? I, I, I'm surprised people don't talk about this more, but I vividly remember the end of the chip era, even the very, very beginning of the Doug Peterson era. I remember Eddie. There was a lot of talk of Jason Kelsey being undersized and not holding up. And for something just happened, he flipped some switch. And ever since then, he's been maybe the best center I've seen in my entire life. He's a Hall of Famer. He's Without a doubt. He's the best center I've ever seen in my entire life. He's a pro football Hall of Famer. Easily. He's the best center in football still at 34 years old, super banged up, somehow still playing. Yeah. I remember playing through all sorts of the only guy on the line, knock on wood, who has not missed significant time in the last four years. He missed like what, 13 snaps this year? He's got a, yeah. By the way, I'm pulling it up right now. He was Pro Bowl in 2014 and 2016. 
And then he ripped off. So I think that was a 2015 year was the really bad down year for him. 2016 was okay. And then he ripped off three consecutive first team all pro appearances in 2017 through 2019. He should have been all pro last year and he's probably going to be all pro again be, this year. And he might just be done. I don't, I really don't know if he's done. And I, I don't know if he's done. He's, he's 34 years old and he's still an elite center in the league. Probably the, probably the best center in the league right now. He's the best center I've ever seen. I, but I remember week two against Chicago, Wentz's first year, Eddie Goldman was bullying this man. It was embarrassing how bad Eddie Goldman was just moving Kelsey back. If you watch that game and see Kelsey, you, don't even, you wouldn't even recognize him. Right. It, was, it was insane. And then, you know, nasty Nate, your boy, Nate Herbig, you know, <laughs> he's like a refrigerator. He doesn't move well. He's not good. He's really not good. He's soup. He would not be good anywhere else, but in somehow in Philadelphia, he's actually a decent player. Lane Johnson, we know, is elite. He's been elite for how long? <laughs> and uh, he's the best right. I he's the best right tackle I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah, and and by the way, they're doing all of this without, or at least last night they did it without two of their top backups. But they've been playing this way. All, all, you know, the last five, six, what, however long this running game streak has been going, they've been and doing they did this it with Dickerson, who's without, a- yeah. But last, last, last two, last this last seven games, they've been doing it without their top two guys at right guard, with Driscoll on IR and Brooks out. Brooks, yeah. who might be dead, but we're not going to talk. And think about, about it. and think about it. It's still Isaac sayumalo has been out forever. He's been your. That's left right, Sayumalo, Yeah, sayumalo has been out for since since week two, two, or two or three. He's your best left. He was your best left guard. Dickerson came in and he struggled early on, but and and he settled was, in quite well. Yep. And then he, now he's home. Oh, you look at him and you're like, damn, that my and Dickerson on the left side looks insane. Shaq Driscoll played tackle in college because, and then they said, you know, we think you can probably like, you have short arms. He played well at tackle. Then they put him at right guard. And he was good. <laughs> it's kind of, it's kind of ridiculous. It's out, I mean, look, we, we definitely jumped the gun. Um, we wanted to talk about the running game early because it's been outrageously good. I mean, historically good. Everybody's been seeing the statistics. We don't even have to run through them. This is like the best running output that any team has put up since, you know, 19, it was the 85 bears. I think it was last night. And this is the best, the best running output in franchise history. I mean, the the only comparison. Yeah. uh, When, you know, they're comparing this running game, this yards, this yard per carry to when, you know, they didn't really throw the ball. No, that's right. That's exactly right. When throwing the ball was like an anomaly. And, and, and the thing is that the, the only comparison I can think of in my head, was the, the 2019 Ravens with Lamar and, and, uh, and Mark Ingram, both going over a, a thousand yards rushing, but, but that was a completely different, like that was what I was advocating for in September, but that's not how they've been running this offense. This has been honestly just total ground and pound it's from the ball. running it's backs. It's bully it's, ball. The, the way Lamar was worked into the Ravens running game is not the way that they're using Hertz. Hertz's running ability comes mainly on scrambles and some design runs, but it's but a lot nowhere off near. It's yeah, that's right. It's nowhere near the way Lamar ha- was, was designed to be in the play in the running game. Like they would direct snap to him as if he was a running back in that offense. This is totally different. And it just goes to show how strong the offensive line has been. And honestly, it speaks a little bit to, to Hertz's ability to, to scramble and, and make things happen. But look, the point of this rant was to give an apology to Nick Sirianni because his offense and his coaching staff has really upped the creativity recently. They, you know, obviously there are things to pick at, you know, he wasn't aggressive to start the game. The third and goal, you can put that on Hertz or, or Sirianni either way. I mean, it seemed to me like a one read, play to Devonte Smith, who ended up being double teamed. Either way, not a good play. They should be able to get in from the one. All of this stuff, you can complain about whatever you want, but this offense looks really good. Shil Kapadia was saying they're now top 10 in expected uh, yards per play or EPA per play is what's the, what's the acronym EPA stands for expected play. Let me pull it up right now. Expected performance average. It's uh yeah, something like that. It's, it's an advanced, it's an advanced expected points added. There you go. Um, so, yeah, the Alec Hallabies of the world, they calculate these numbers in the lab. Right, right. Th- th- this one is a, is a more tame advanced statistic that basically just takes into account field positioning and like, you know, 10 yards on third and 17 is useless. Uh, three yards on third and one is big. So that's basically like to dumb it down to the simplest version. That's what EPA per play is, is trying to measure. My um, only complaint for Sirianni is I think I would like him to be more aggressive. Yeah, I would definitely. say the, the one punt after that was on like fourth, the fourth and, and fourth, fourth, that was fourth so and weak. six. I was that, that was a cowardly punt. That was a coward punt. 
yeah. was, it was one of the, wasn't it like in the, like the 99th It was the percentile? 99th percentile this year and 98th percentile since 1999. <laughs> like it was bad. It was, it was very in- cowardly. And look, you can justify it because, uh, because what's it called? Um, they won. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they, well that, and you were playing against Garrett Gilbert and you know, when you're playing against a terrible offense and a quarterback, they can't really make anything happen. I get the notion of like, let's just go results, not process here. Like, you know, you don't want to leave points like, you know, against Garrett Gilbert, all you need is, you know, a field goal is huge because they're not going to score right against Patrick Mahomes. You got to be way more aggressive. So I understand the thinking there, but ultimately, like, I agree with you. He should be as aggressive as Brendan Staley has been. Um, The only hesitancy is that they haven't been good with play calling on fourth and short. And in those situations, they're like, they're like one of the worst, like, yeah, the worst yeah. The, the broadcast said they were the worst fourth down percentage uh, team in the league right now, which is like, it's fine. I, all that, all that is small bones to pick and stuff that they'll get better at. I'm just, I'm really happy in the way they they've improved the offense. This is not the improvement is not coming entirely from Jalen hurts and, and hurts to be clear has definitely improved, but the, the improvement is that they've taken what we were advocating for a couple months ago and, and taken a compromise position between what they were doing and what we wanted, which was we wanted, or at least what I wanted was the Baltimore Ravens offense where Hertz is basically, they just have basically all running backs and Hertz is making very easy throws and that's it. The play um, design is also incredibly yeah. different. And the play design has gotten better. About, like I think, I think about Tampa Bay when I saw somebody evaluate that tape and guys, it's, it's this, it's the, it's the same ugly play that we saw for the Jags where LaVisca Chenault and Chris Conley run into each other. Yeah. There are too many guys running in the same area. And it's, you just, right. I mean, look, it then, took some time. It was then, a learning curve. Do we, I feel like, have we seen an RPO? In, in this offense? Have we seen RPOs in weeks? Um, There's been some option stuff, but it's been... It hasn't been any like there hasn't been any just straight up RP. Like I haven't seen a lot of just straight up, you know, pull or throw. We used to. I remember like it feels so long ago when they would run three times and a half, and now they're running. And now I think they ran. There's plays where they run like six straight times. As they should, up. right? And and the point the point I was making earlier is that you know this is a, a run first team, but a running back run first team that. Hertz is able to just manage the game. And that's honestly what they're asking of Hertz is just be a game manager. And one of the things Hertz has excelled at in his career, and uh, you know, this might be a controversial statement, but I think he has done a very good job in his career of protecting the football outside of one game. Right. And if, yeah. And, and usually what happens is the games that he throws picks it, the tires start coming off and he just starts throwing terrible passes over and over again. But generally speaking, he does not throw a lot of interceptions when he does, they come in waves and he fumbles the ball, but he fumbles the ball in the pocket a little bit. And that's the only thing you can really gripe with him. But for the most part, like, like take last night, for example, he had what? Two turnovers. One of them was the fumble off of Goddard. Yeah, one, one of them the, was the, the I, would, not, I would say he had one turnover. He had one bad turnover, right? That was and bad. It, and that was very Wentzian. Where it's yes. like, just oh, go without down. a doubt. That's just, right. Just go that's down. Right. Just go, And you're doing when you're doing too Or much. just throw it away. I, throw it away. I, thought, I was worried. I was like, after that play, I was like, this is, this is giants. He's going to spiral. And that yeah. happened when Hertz plays bad. It snowballs when he misses throws. Yes, it's absolutely. Snowballs. When he throws picks, it's snow. That's the issue is that they're, they're, he's chasing points sometimes. Right. But he I, did an excellent yeah. job last night and something that he's shown flashes of all year. But I think as his relationship with Sirianni has improved and it's gotten much better and you can see that, but as his relationship with Sirianni has improved, he's gotten better at just hanging in there and, and not spiraling. And that's what happened last night. I mean, he responded. He responded in, in probably his best performance, I think, maybe of his career last night. I think it was the best game of his NFL career. And coming 23 days after playing against the Giants, which was an all-time stinker. Awful game. And he hasn't seen he hasn't seen reps since then. That's the other thing. Like, he's been injured, right? This yeah, has been – he kind of came into the semi-cold. And he wasn't going to play. He, I don't think he would have played if this game was played on Sunday. Or he would have been very hobbled, yeah. Or so, he, Sunday, he was he, looking like then, he was trending in that direction, but it wasn't totally clear. He didn't, he didn't really look. At some points, he didn't really look. He got up impy sometimes, and it really wasn't that noticeable. So it's probably not 100% healed. But like, <laughs> like you said, like he managed the game well. And, you know, we could talk about, oh, is that, do they just think he's a game manager or is this just what they're doing now? That's a whole debate. And that's, you know, hours worth of stuff we could say. But for now, this was his best game. And then he made some impressive throws. I thought the one to Greg Ward was, it was the best throw he's ever made in his entire life. I feel like. Yeah, no, that, that was, was the, the best, best throw of his life. Made. 
easily the best throw of his life. And then the, on the, the run, back shoulder with the, the defender. Floater, yeah. The floater for Rager was really good. And then, like, you could see, like, he was going through his reads, and there's things like, okay, we're finally seeing things that we've been pounding the table for. The issue now, because, I don't know, I, if you, on the flip side, so people say, oh, you cannot say he's not a franchise quarterback after one bad game. Well, then you cannot say he is after one good game. Look, yeah, and I, 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 I don't, I still don't think he is a franchise quarterback in the Mahomes-Herbert you know, that sort of builds Kyler Murray, uh, Lamar. Like, I don't think he's an MVP type quarterback. I don't think that's his ceiling right now. I mean, maybe he gets to that level. Maybe he keeps improving. But I do think he's a guy that you can stick in there and say, this is an average to above average starter with upside potential. I don't remember and- who said it, but they said, it, I think it was McLean where he's like, or somebody else who quoted, it's he's the best of like the Bridgewater's. Like, yes, absolutely. Of the second, of the second, third, the third ish tier. Of those like that mid, makes sense. of those mid tier starting yeah. quarterbacks, mm-hmm. where you're like, yeah, mm-hmm. they're fine. We can win. They give you thing. a chance to win. He's the best of those guys. He's yeah. he's better than Teddy and Tyrod and Fitzpatrick and Heineke and yeah. Jones and you know you think about Look, guys like Goff. The the version of Jalen Hurts last night can probably like that's a version that could make a run into the playoffs, not necessarily with this team, but generally like that's a kind of quarterback that can make a run into the playoffs. That's not the kind of, he hasn't shown the ability to take over a game the way yeah. other quarterbacks have. That's what, that's, what's missing is that takeover. Just like this guy's not going to be stopped. He's going to drag this team. Who's having a terrible game to the finish line. Or what happens when the run game stops working? Like, can he throw like that kind of, those questions are still unanswered, but at the same time, this kind of play is the kind of thing that buys you another year, right? And I don't think yeah. anybody, including the Eagles, I don't think the Eagles would be upset if Hertz comes back as a starter next year, if he's playing like this, as long as they buy themselves some flexibility in the following offseason, as long as they buy themselves, you know, push one, kick one of those kicks to, uh, picks down the road, maintain yeah. flexibility, especially if the asking price on Russell Wilson is high or something like that. Yeah, if he does, if he, if he does this three more times and, and then they make the playoffs and he, he does similar production, maybe they lose. Maybe they win, but he, he looks fine. I think you could say you could if you're Howie, you're Lori, you're Sirianni, you're Weidel, you're Donahoe, you put everybody involved. You can sit down and say, yeah. Don't forget my boy. Alec Alibi. <laughs> Julian Lurie. You could sit down and you could say, okay, we're comfortable going into 2022 with him. But but they're also not like he he's done enough to where you could say, yeah, we can go into 2022 with this kid and we can be okay but you're like not comfortable enough to say, we're not going to look at anybody else. We're just going full throttle with. Yeah, him. that's right. That's right. So, and and, and that's yeah, fine. Look, that's, that's because his ceiling to us is still like right now, his average output is like a top 16, top 15 quarterback, right? Yeah. That's his average output. His ceiling still unknown right now. I would bet his ceiling is like a top eight quarterback, not, not top five, nothing like that. Like he hasn't shown that yet. Is it possible? Is like, Ryan, yeah. like Ryan Tannehill, you know? Yeah, or like a, you know, it's a different play style than Matthew Stafford, but the type of level that Matthew Stafford is, right? Like yeah, a quarterback right. that I don't feel, you know, if you're going to the play, right now, if you look at the playoff picture, like, let me see if I can pull it up right now as we're talking. If you go to the playoff picture of the top seeds, I probably fear Stafford the least, right? Like yeah. that kind of quarterback where like, he's good, obviously. But, you but if I'm picking a quarterback to face in the playoffs, like it's not going to be Rodgers. It's not going to be Brady. It's not Kyler Murray. I, I, you know, Dak, Dak, Dak is, is right. He's, he's in a rough patch right now, but I would say Dak has always been good. Dak's best is better than Matthew Stafford's best. And then I don't like, yeah, Kyler Murray has kind of had a rough patch too, but he's him too. He, like he's an he electric. I, I, I just don't he, think Matthew Stafford's good. I like Stafford. I don't think he is like a top five quarterback. I would. Yeah, that's what I mean. I mean, he's obviously fine, but he's not good enough. No, no, he's not. He's not good enough to say. Yeah, he can go head to head with Rodgers, and he could outduel Rodgers. Right, exactly. Right, right. He, he and obviously hurts his entire right Brady. now. And yeah, and hurts, and we've seen hurts not be able to outduel Dak and Carr and Mahomes and hurts for now, right? And that's that's where but it comes in, like yeah. And then you know, and then a lot of the quarterback debate is super Eagles related because we know what the Eagles like, we know what Murray wants, we know what Howie likes, we know what he wants, and then you know it's. It's just, you know, it's, it's, we have all this stuff. We have all, we have 16 games. We had four games last year. We got all these quotes. We got all these talking heads saying, look at how, look how Hertz has developed. 
And, and funny enough, it really doesn't matter unless the Eagles care about that. Right. It doesn't matter. Like, like, yeah. I mean, like, if they fall in love with Kenny Pickett, like, her, it doesn't that's matter it. what Hurst say. It. That's it. Yeah. And they're not they going get, to. If, is, is, if is they can the get point. Wilson, then it's that's it. It's at the right price, right? Yeah, but and then there's so many things that it's like, well, there's like. If this is a big math equation, Hertz is only one part of it. You have X and you have Y still, and those are unknown variables, but we won't know about them until February when, you know, Wilson and Watson probably get dealt and, you know, whatever happens with Rogers and there's, there's still car. If they want to look at that route, then you have the prospects. You're going to be with them in, in Mobile and Indy, and you're going to bring them for private workouts. Like I tweeted the, the, uh, yesterday or today, it's like, yeah, like, this quarterback debate is super exhausting and it's only, it's not done. <laughs> you know, like I don't think when the season ends, we're, we're going to have a yes or no answer. You know, we're going to have a, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. And I don't think they're going to know. They're not going to have a yes or no answer. I mean, the only way you have a yes or no answer is if this guy goes nuclear, takes you to the conference uh, finals or, yeah. or the, uh... it's the two major extremes where he absolutely, you know, he becomes bottoms the- out or he, even if he bottoms out, I would say like, Maybe they just run it back with Minshew. Like they don't need to make. That's the thing. They don't need to force. Yeah. They're not. They're not in a position where they have to force a decision on a quarterback yet. They can hold in this pat, especially because Hertz is not making any money. He's on the rookie deal. Minshew makes no money. Minshew makes no money. Hertz make like they don't need to force a decision now. So I think the only way we know anything is if Hertz goes completely nuclear and gets them to the championship game or the, the obviously if they win the Super Bowl, he's not going anywhere. Something like that. Yeah. Like that's an extreme way, run. Yeah. Or, yeah, like, an absolute, yeah. like, three straight Giants games or worse. So, like, we have so, like, we have all, like, this, we have to go through a gauntlet of qu- of quarterback months until we get to maybe, like, late April. And then, like, and, if they, right. like, it's, like, the same thing last year where they didn't take fields. So, it's, like, okay, we know Hurts is a starter this year. But we right. still had Deshaun Watson rumors all through summer. Right. right. <laughs> so I don't know. And, like, it's, it's just what the situation is. And that's, if you, if they were robots, if this was a simulation, I think they would just roll with Hertz because that's just, you know, if you put like numbers in a calculator, you know, that maybe makes the most sense. But there's a lot of human, a human emotion part of it, human error, where, you know, Jeffrey Lurie's going to sit, you know, on Zoom when Howie and Nick are in the combine and Kenny Pickett's going to talk about growing up, growing up in South Jersey and being an Eagles fan his entire life and watching Donovan McNabb and Brett Favre in the fourth and 26, like he did in the one interview. And Jeffrey Lloyd's eyes are going to light up and say, well, I love this kid. I love what this kid has to say. And then, and then that's it, you know, stuff like that. Look, I, I, I would say that like definitely possibility hurt. Lurie does love hurts. I, I don't know how much that has stayed or hasn't, but you know, it works in the other way too. The point is we don't really know what they're going to do. Yeah. And then until who, we and get then a sense has, of what they the think, call? who like, makes the call, right, right. right and, and the right. belief, from like whatever the McLean article that I mentioned all the time, because that was pretty in-depth, is that it, what he says is that it's Howie's call. Obviously, Laurie gives Howie a bunch of power. Laurie lets Howie do everything that Howie wants to do. So if the obviously if Laurie doesn't like one of these kids, then it's a different story. But if if Laurie says, Hey Howie, you can go find a quarterback, but I want to watch them, I want to check them off. And Howie says, Hey, look at Kenny, and Laurie's like, Yeah, I like that kid. We we should bring him in. I think there is a chance you bring in both. You have Hertz and uh, rookie next year, and however, however that works out, you know maybe that's not a wise decision, but it's a, a possibility. Everything's a possibility. Listen, we are beating this quarterback conversation to death, and rightfully so because it's honestly it's the biggest the most- thing. Like that's <laughs> that's once we found out Sirianni, once we found out Sirianni can coach, this was right. now the discussion right. of is that's the quarterback right. good enough? Right. And 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 then do they want good enough? Because all we, you know, every time Jeff speaks about quarterbacks, he wants, he wants a great, he wants to draft a quarterback every two years. He said that, you know, after they took Clayton Dorson, <laughs> you know, they want to, they want to be the quarterback factory. It was a, it's a joke and it's a meme, but like, he seriously said that he seriously said, we want to be a quarterback factory, whether, you know, however meme-ish it is now, that's what they said. And, you know, I, okay, we're done with this conversation, but I want to talk about my last point is like 2016 like that offseason is so much proves the quarterback factory idea when they paid Sam Bradford $20 million a year, they paid Chase Daniels 20, $21 million over three years. And then they still spent three, spent two first round picks and two second round picks. They have Carson Wentz. They have no issue loading the quarterback room as they should. I mean, I don't, I don't disagree with it, right? Like at some point in the NFL, 
everybody's doing the same thing for the most part. You have to give, you have to, there's 32 teams. You have to find some inefficiency that means that, 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 that gives you an advantage over other teams because the odds that you're going to be better drafters, better talent evaluators in a significant way is, is low. You can be marginally better at the draft, like the Ravens historically draft very well, but all those are on the margins. The only way you can consistently find success in the NFL is finding some sort of inefficiency or stringing together enough marginal improvements that it becomes a major improvement. So for a good example is like, you can be a really well-coached team, scheme really well, that sort of thing. Like that's what Belichick has been doing for a long time, right? That's, that's his advantage, right? Or you can find an elite quarterback and that can be your advantage or what the Eagles are. That's basically what these are trying to do. Like we're going to invest so much resources into this position that eventually we're going to find an elite quarterback. That's going to be our advantage over other teams. Uh, yeah, that they're going they're going to put money, assets. They're going to put coach. They're going to they're going to put they have put so many freaking assets into that position, and they're basically saying we're going to throw as as much stuff at the wall until something sticks and it works. That's it. Like, <laughs> like they cut Chase Daniels and paid him $7 million and then still paid Nick Foles like $7 million guaranteed to sign a contract here. That's stupid. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's what they do, right? It's what they do. And especially with an 18-week 18, 18 season, like it's not surprising that they're going to start investing. We paid investing. Joe Flacco. We paid in August, Josh McCown got paid $3.5 million guaranteed money. We then paid Joe Flacco $3.5 million guaranteed money. They clearly, then they traded a six-round pick for Gardner Minshew. They clearly don't care about what you put into the quarterback position because they believe you have to get it right. That's it. So in the short term, outside of that, I mean, there's not much to discuss about this game. You're going against Garrett Gilbert. Obviously, like you this had, has been beaten to won. death. You, you this has been beaten had. to death. They shot themselves in the foot in the beginning. They got rolling in the second half and at the end of the first half in the second half. The I offense was the, very good. The defense the was fine. The most surprising thing I would say is that Jalen Rager had a role. <laughs> Jalen Rager had a role. Greg Ward had a role. Dallas Goddard's a beast. Devontae Smith is a beast. Miles Sanders looked good. Jordan Howard looked good. Like all these things. I lied. This is been... my last thing. They are not. I don't. If, if for whatever reason. I want to know why this team, at least this offense, is not on veterans' lists for considering because you have an elite offensive line, no matter who's playing, a very good offensive scheme, an elite running game, and two targets that are very good. Yeah. Like they, they have to add more, but like as a, as a core, you could look at that and say, yeah, that's appealing. That's more appealing than like what Miami has. Well, well, we'll see this offseason what, what ends up happening. But, yeah, I mean, look, look, like Dallas Goddard's been elite the last two weeks, right? Back-to-back weeks with a career high in receiving yards, leading the team in receiving. Devontae Smith, he's not getting the volume that I think people expected or wanted, but he's still a rookie, and he's making unreal catches week after week, and he's getting open. And, like, I don't know how you can be upset with him or, or any of his – like, he's been excellent. He's been excellent. That, that's really all I have, I have to say. He's got, what, 741 yards on the year uh, last night. Three catches, three catches for 40 yards. That's nothing, right? It's okay, though. I mean, that's not what we're – we don't need him as a rookie to come in and be what Justin Jefferson set NFL records for his rookie production total, right? That's not what we're looking for. We're just looking for him to show flashes of competence and ability to play in this league, and he's shown that. And yeah. he'll continue to show that. And, look, next year I expect him to take a leap, and the year after that I expect him to take a leap. And And – as the quarterback play improves and his chemistry improves, I expect him to take a leap. And that's really all it comes down to. He's been excellent. Goddard's been excellent. Um, on the, de- on the defensive side, I mean, there's not much to say. Like they were going, I would say the- Fletcher Cox probably played his best game in yep. white. Um, like TJ Edwards is somehow really good for like, out of nowhere. Um, Gerard Avery made the best play of his entire life. That was awesome. That was insane. I'm stunned. It's I was like- certain that was offsides. But, but it ended up not being like I saw is the it, play live and I was like, wow, he got a, a 10 second early that, Like, we nobody complains. Is it like we don't care about Jordan Avery anymore, or is it that he's just like really okay at what he does when he's on the field? So I it's mean, like, it's like it's the same, it's the same as the J Jaw thing. Like, once you beat it to death, like, what are you going to say at this point? It was a bad re- use of resources. You can only get so upset with like at some point, it's just like he doesn't have it. It's fine. What are you going to do? They play a role. And I actually. And then Teron Jackson making a pretty big play. It was cool to see like like players like like that's a six round pick to make a play on a big a big football game. Like 
it's a tackle for loss. It's one tackle for loss, but he's a six round pick, you know? Yeah. So it's like, oh, that's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty okay for where you got picked. And then, you know, Darius Slay is still really good. You know, Ryan McLeod almost made a crazy play. Steven Nelson's been fine. I mean, like he's that's fine. the defense we know about, right? If the, if the, if the, we know if who the, they are. If, they if play the D line is, yeah, if the, yeah, exactly. If they play bad quarterbacks, they'll be fine. If the D line is generating pressure, they'll be fine. If not, they'll probably get picked apart. They're, they're a, an average to below average unit. And, and that's really fine. Average. I mean, like that's, yeah. that's fine. It's not they a have, huge deal. They, they need better like, personnel. Gannon's been much better. They need better personnel. That's all, that's average, all I'm to say. They have average linebackers and they have below average. Nah, average. Oh, I think they have below average linebackers, an average secondary, and an above I average. Have an ab- I would say they have two. They have an above average slot corner, and yep. a really good outside corner, yep. an average other corner, mm-hmm. and then two like middling safeties. Sure. So it's like you need you need to get better there. We knew that. We knew that since like before. Got to get better. You got to get younger. You need. I mean, like I, I think it would like start with like if you have a, if you had a rangy linebacker, I think that would help a lot. That yeah, would just think, it would just tie a lot to get because right now they're getting killed on the second level. The in, intermediate passing game is killing them. The the the, the, the runs the tight go ends for are, the tight ends are really what's killing them. Yeah, the r- runs go for like five six yards that should be like two to three because there's no there's no help against there's no linebacker help on the runs. It's just the D, the D line gets crushed off the ball a little bit and then Fletcher Cox is making a tackle where Hargrave's making a tackle like falling backwards and there's nobody back there and they just like end up the back falls forward for an extra three yards like that happens I feel like I was watching that every other run for Washington but look like ultimately the Eagles have three games here one against who is even starting on Sunday for the Giants I'm gonna say it's gonna, I think it's gonna be Jake Fromm it's Jake Fromm okay you know what's the- hysterical I find this hysterically funny. I do not care. Ian Rappaport literally went on, went on a radio show today and said, yeah, the Giants can afford Russell Wilson. They can do whatever they want with the cap. I'm going to tell you that the Giants have $1.2 million in cap space for this season. They have $3.2 million in cap space for next season. They're freeing up cap space to sign practice squad running backs. They, they can't keep the lights on. <laughs> like, yeah, they don't this have team is a joke. This team is a joke. It is. A, that's actually a great way. The New York Giants are, are a joke. I mean, the, the, the franchise is a disaster. I, I, the fact that the Eagles lost that game a couple of weeks ago is a disgrace. It's embarrassing. Dave, Dave Gettleman is, is probably the worst GM in the league. The owners don't care. I mean, it's it's a tire fire over there. Both New York franchises right now. The head coach is a buffoon. Yep. The quarterback's not good. And they're somehow, and they're probably going to end up sticking with him. You know, the, there's old, there's really old talent that's not very good. And then young talent that they drafted, who's not very good. Like. The, yeah. the the best thing that's happened to the Giants franchise since Gettleman got there was that he, after refusing, literally refusing to trade down his entire career, he made the best trade down of the entire draft and now has two top 10 picks. Like that's yeah, the best it, thing that's happened to the blessed. Giants was, was Gettleman got bullied into trading down. Yeah, because, and then uh, I heard a rumor who they were going to take and I can't remember. There was a rumor about who they were going to take if they stayed at, um, well, they wanted Devontae. They wanted Devontae. I, there was a, they weren't going to take Slater at 11. That was a rumor. I don't know who they were going to take. It was some It was some buffoonery, I remember. It, it wasn't ah, – damn, I would have to look back and, and see who said it. But it wasn't, it wasn't Slater. They weren't even thinking about Slater. It wasn't like Aziz. It wasn't Tony. It was Aziz somebody, was, a, was a great second-round pick. I think it was like Rousseau or something like that. I can't remember. But anyway, like what? Nevertheless, like that's a that's a that's a right. bad. The, that's the a, point is, you're paying, you're playing the Giants on Sunday. You can't get swept by the New York Football Giants. You're at home. That should yeah. be a win against Jake Fromm. I don't get I me mean, coming off of short rest is is terrible. It's very annoying, but that should be a win. Then you have the two yeah, biggest games of the two season games that matter, these right? Are- like if you want to make the playoffs, and we don't have to go through the playoff scenarios right now. Like basically, just know if you're listening, if the Eagles win out, they probably make the playoffs. If they lose they, one game, they probably don't. It, they, their whole, the two teams that matter and with Philly are the Saints and the Vikings. The Minnesota. Saints, not as much. Yeah. The Saints, Saints are not, not going to lose. They're not, I don't think they're going to lose to close. I don't the think year. they're going to lose to Miami, Carolina, or Atlanta. So, the which, Saints, yeah, that's right. Which makes, which makes this end of the season much more complicated. So, if the Saints win out and the Eagles drop one to Washington, well, then you're out in the playoffs. Probably, probably. They are. I think it's. I think if New Orleans goes three and zero, and Philly goes two and one, New Orleans advances. If Minnesota wins more games or the same amount of games as Philly, Minnesota advances. 
Minnesota, you got to hope Minnesota loses the next two, which is not I mean, unheard of. My and then, but the my worry for Minnesota is that well, I don't think LA is like a powerhouse right now, and like Russell Wilson was missing throws to open guys, and they you know LA got bailed out by one of the worst pass interference penalties I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, so and then they're coming off the short rest. You know, Minnesota has one more day of rest than them, but and then LA has a couple more COVID cases. So, like, I think Minnesota could beat them. I don't think they beat Green Bay, but then they play, like, Chicago again. You know, they yeah, by Chicago. the way, I just did the calculations on 538. If the Vikings lose twice, the Rams and the Packers, but the Saints win out and the Eagles lose once in the last three games, they have a 6% chance of making the playoffs. So, basically, you have to win out or hope that New Orleans – let's say New Orleans loses – to Miami, then that then the odds go up to ninety eight percent, even if you lose one game, as long as Minnesota loses twice. So like that's basically what it comes down to is like, if New Orleans wins out, which they probably will, the Eagles need to win out. If New Orleans loses once, and Minnesota loses twice, twice. and you really sweep and you sweep Washington, then you're probably in. Yeah. So they should beat the Giants. We agree on it. They should beat the Giants. The, there's but then, down to the big game on the Washington. road against Washington. Can you beat them twice in 12 days? And then That's it comes hard. down and to even, whether the, the Cowboys care. Even if Washington isn't a great football team, well, they're going to get Heineke back. They're going to get a couple guys back. Because even though they got a couple guys back, like off, um, they got Tim Settle, who's actually a pretty decent player. And they got somebody else back, but they didn't play because, you know, they just got all COVID. Like, you know, they weren't. Yeah. And, and, and to be clear, even if, even if the Cowboys do care about that week 18 game, that's still winnable. It's winnable. You should not be swept by by any division rival. But we've seen this team be terrible against the division. That's the issue. So, like, they, I said they were going to go two and two. I still think they go two and two. I'm losing two games at the end of the year to, to, to miss the playoffs is brutal. <laughs> like, that's unfortunate. Yeah. But I think they beat the Giants, and I think they lose to Washington because I think it's hard to beat teams like that. It's hard to beat two teams. Three to like twice in three weeks. That's hard. That's difficult, especially in your own division. Well, that's the only way you're playing that many times. But the to your division rival, you're playing them at home, even though FedEx Field sucks and nobody goes to the games. It's still at home, and it's it's real bulletin board material because you know, rah rah. Rod Rivera says, "Hey, they they just beat us. Now we got to beat them." And you right. know, so let's, let's spoil their playoff appearance. You know, whatever. Right. Some hoo ha. You know, right? And the Eagles were not perfect yesterday on Sunday. They were not perfect. I mean, Tuesday, they were not perfect. Like if Garrett Gilbert isn't a lawn chair, you know, maybe there's like a closer game. Like I, I think the Eagles kind of up until the Greg Ward touchdown, I was like not super comfortable because I was like, you know, it's not a lot of, this is not a lot of lead right here. Yeah. I was not ball. terribly worried the whole game. I wasn't, really worried, I wasn't terribly worried. But, I, but there's always a fluke, like, you know, a random, a, a rollout trick play that Josh Bates somehow catches and runs to the goal line. You know, something right. like that can happen. Or there's like another fumble. But I think, I think Washington the second time around will be tougher. And then it's beating Dallas in what is a, like, you know, for Dallas, it's, I guess it's probably not a shirt and a shirt and hat game. Because I think they probably would have won the division already. But Dallas has something to play for. They want to be the number two seed because Tampa Bay and you know Arizona are falling off. They want to take that spot. All I'll say about that, by the way, is that if we get Dallas in that wild card game and we go to Dallas two against seven and beat them, I, I'm going to get suspended from Instagram. <laughs> this man's going to be nude on the podcast. <laughs> on the podcast. I mean, everybody, it's going to be. You're not gonna, be I'm, I'm gonna be insufferable. That's all I'm gonna say. And Cowboys fans, I, I they're never gonna hear the end. I just want them to know if you're a Cowboys fan, you should be rooting harder for any result, but like, it, it should be more important to you that the Cowboys don't lose the wild card game to the Eagles than they win the Super Bowl. Because I, I the, 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 the suffering you're gonna feel if they lose to the Eagles as the seventh seed who shouldn't have even been in the playoffs as of like three years ago who got a free win against the Jets because they changed the schedule and sneak into the playoffs at the seventh seed. Like, I'm just, all I'm saying, all I'm saying, you don't want it to happen. You think, um, you think there will be, so like Dillard, Dillard and Clark having COVID isn't huge, but Dickerson, you know, we got Dickerson. Obviously, Dickerson like, should be back by Sunday. 
I, I mean, assuming he's vaccinated. If he's vaccinated, he'll be back. If he's unvaccinated, he has to wait. I, I, from what I remember, I, I feel like the Eagles implied everybody was vaccinated. And like yeah. of the guys who weren't, like we know Joe Flacco was one. So the odds that Dickers, that we had two on the, like from, I just remember the, the numbers that they gave us. It felt like maybe one or two guys on the 90 man were not. Yeah. So, I mean, my, my bet is that he's probably is, uh, and that he was a symptomatic test on the Sunday. Um, obviously, <laughs> you know, I, I, I mean, we don't have to get too big into the COVID situation right now, Nick but like, Nick obviously has, yeah, like, like COVID across the country is, is, is skyrocketing and, you know, vaccines and boosters make it far less likely to, you're going to get it and it's going to be less severe, but ultimately like this thing is everywhere. And, and, uh, you know, it's going to be something that the NFL has to live with and the Eagles are going to have to live with. And they've done a pretty good job so far. But, you know, so far, yeah, all things considered, relatively speaking, it hasn't been as bad as it's been for other teams. So, so you know, even if they don't get Dickerson back, it's the Giants and Jake Fromm. Like, you should yeah. be fine. And even with say- Kevin Petullo handling, you know, I, it's going to be kind of funny watching him if he's got, like, if all of a sudden he's ultra aggressive or doing something completely different than Sirianni would. And it's, it's like working. He, he goes for two on like the first touchdown and whatever. Yeah. Um, that'd be fun. That'd but, be fun. Um, but, but it shouldn't, it literally yeah. should not, it shouldn't, it shouldn't unless, matter. Unless they have like a legitimate outbreak and where you're like, Oh, Kelsey gets it. Or right. Malata gets right, it. Right. 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 But right. That and and like, seem... like, again, like with the vaccine, it seems at least if they're boosted, I don't know what the vaccine status for most of these guys is, but and, if they're boosted and the rules are lax. Yeah, that's right. There are lax in the rules. If, if they're boosted, the chances that a, a huge outbreak among a lot of like the key players is low. We don't know. Obviously we don't, I don't want to speculate who knows what's going to happen, but you just sort of got to keep praying that these guys stay safe as best they can. And that, you know, they take proper precautions and uh, everybody stays healthy. And ultimately like if they don't next man up, what can you do? Like you can't yeah. complain. Even And so even if they miss the playoffs by a game or they lose, they drop two in a row. I would say that 20, like 2021, was a successful season be based on where you were because think about it like oh so far yeah i mean it's gonna suck if there's some sort of late collapse but yeah this has been this has been encouraging games. from from they won four Nick. games last year and if you look at the quarterbacks they beat okay you beat trevor Danucci, you beat daniel jones you beat trevor simeon not trevor simeon Taysom hill and you beat who else did they beat last year nobody they had four wins right yeah, Danucci. It was Hill, Danucci, Hill, Daniel Jones, Jones and oh, uh, Nick Mullins and CJ Beathard. Mullins and they tied they tied Beathard, right? Who'd they tie? They tied Burrow. Burrow. So they honestly were probably a, a worse team four win. They were probably a worse, a, like a real a bad four worse win. Worse than four team. wins, yeah. Yeah. But now they're like a not very good. At least with Wentz back there. Oh god, terrible. Terrible story talking about it. That was a depressing season. But so like they have seven wins. Are they like a great seven win team? Not really. But are they like now you're playing meaningful games in December? And obviously it stinks to have to really rely on other teams to handle your business. Like you need the Vikings to lose twice. And it's possible, but it's also not impossible that they go three and one and you go three and one. And while it doesn't matter, like it's it's they control their own destiny, but they need help. So it's like, you know, but it's fun. It's fun to be actually be relevant in December because last year we were just begging for the season to end. <laughs> yeah. Begging, begging for mercy. Yeah. But, and I think, hey. this off, I think this off season is going to be rather exciting. I think it's going to be pretty exciting off season. But that's any other final thoughts, Jay, before we wrap this up? I don't know. We don't have, we don't have a ton to say other than look, I, I think for me, it's very encouraged by Sirianni kind of encouraged by Hertz. Um, I am excited about the last couple of weeks. It's fun at the very least to have meaningful football, even if they blow it, that gives us something to talk about, gives us something to, it gives stakes to all these games. So I'm excited for the end of the season. I think that they will make the playoffs. Um, that's just my gut feeling right now. This feels like a team. If we pull up the schedule really quickly, this team has been playing good football. I think since week 10, um, the Giants game was a stinker in there, and it's not – you know, that kind of stuff happens against – I don't want to excuse it, but that sort of stuff is not surprising against divisional opponents, and they should have won that game. Um, but I think if you play it again, like even if you play it again, they, I don't know. It just feels like that's a fluky loss, sort of like a 
one of those like trap game losses. But since like they're gonna they're gonna play it again and they're gonna beat the Giants. Like, yeah, they lose yeah. to the Giants again. It's Look, like, wow. yeah, I mean then then you're just not. Yeah, right, right. Then you're not consistent enough. Right now they've won four of five. They've won five of seven. So really, you can say since they blew out Detroit, they played Chargers close. That didn't. It was sort of a fake close, but they played the Chargers close. Um, they they've won five of seven. They blew out Detroit. They blew out Denver. They killed New Orleans. They stunk it up against the Giants. They blew out the Jets. They dominated Washington for the most part. Like this has been, I think, a pretty like a very solid football team, a playoff type football team, for the last month and a half. The question is, can they keep that up? And beating Washington on the road is a tough challenge in two weeks. Beating Dallas, if Dallas cares, will be a tough challenge. If they do it, they deserve to make the playoffs. If not, I mean, you know, we'll see if they get any help, but they probably don't. And we'll see what happens. Other than that, like, you, I'm you encouraged. actually have something to look forward to next year because, you know, coming into this season, it was, wow, we went four, we won four games. We just fired a Super Bowl winning head coach. We just had to trade our franchise quarterback. We don't know who this. Yeah, we don't know who this guy is. Quarterback is. We don't know who his head coach is. I'd also like to say that when we, uh, I'd like to throw it back to last time, last year around this time, the uh, there was a question at the end of the podcast, and the question was, "Who's your sleeper head coaching candidate for the Eagles?" And I did say Nick Sirianni. Did you? I did. Yeah, I think you did. Yeah. I did. I think Max mentioned it once that I said that. I think I predicted. I had. Um. I had. I had the. Who's the Cowboys guy? I'm blanking on his name right now. Kellen Moore. Kellen Moore. I had Kellen Moore, yeah. I wanted Lincoln Riley, but obviously that's like a, a pipe dream. Um, as long as it wasn't by Kafka, that was fine with me. Um, Robert Sala looks like he has no clue what he's doing, so maybe they lucked out there. But uh, my final point is that the Eagles legitimately could have five all-pro players, which is crazy. Lane Johnson, Jordan, got? Lane Johnson, Jason Kelsey, Jordan Mailata, Darius Slay, and Jake Elliott. Jake Elliott. Wow. Um, let me see if I have anything to add there. What about? I think they could have multiple Pro Bowlers. I think. Sean I'm sure Bradley. they'll have multiple Pro Bowlers. I think yeah. Dallas Goddard and Sean Bradley could make the playoffs. Or next time in the Pro Bowl. Bradley Interesting. Was, Bradley has, I think, he's top five. <coughs> excuse me, five in the league in special teams tackles. I think he's Interesting. very high. So I think they could have multiple Pro Bowlers and multiple All Pros. It's pretty insane, and it's pretty insane that all of them, but. One, no, I guess two, because Elliott was signed up the practice squad as a rookie, and Darius Slay was traded. So, like, three homegrown All-Pros, obviously. I just can't – I literally can't get over Jordan Mailata. Like, I can't get over that entire – He's epic. We, we should devote an entire podcast to Stalin and Mailata. That doesn't make sense. That shouldn't – like, if you put that through a supercomputer and it said, how likely is this player to be an All-Pro in at under 25 years old, I think you would get, like, one. <laughs> one By the way, the takeaway there for me – is that seventh round picks should exclusively be used on not uh, weird is the wrong word, but like unusual type of players, guys who haven't played a lot of football, guys who've never played football, who haven't played a ton of football, guys making position changes, freak athletes, athletes, that sort of thing, or Um, quarterbacks, random, like, like taking, what's a good example? Like the best example I can think of is like, um, uh, like Joe Walker. Do you remember Joe Walker? Yeah. Am I even saying that? Is he, is he, is he a real player? Am I making that up? <laughs> I remember Joe Walker. Okay. Yeah. Joe Walker. I, I can't believe I pulled this name out. Yeah. So seventh round pick for the Eagles out of Oregon. Like he was just a linebacker. There was nothing remarkable. He's just like a, like an okay, like a bad linebacker. But There's if, no you, took like there. Tom, if <laughs> you took like Tamu, who was a safety in college. And right. Making like, the oh, conversion. Man. Like Nate Gary was bad, but I understand the concept of taking like think Jalen Mills. Jalen Mills was a college safety moved to corner. And it yeah, went. I mean, look, he. I also I think he fell for off the field reasons, but but yeah. but this principle still stands. Like like you want to be taking guys at, at the very end of the draft that are not there because they're not that good. They're there for other reasons, right? You want guys with floors that they could be out of the league in four months. I don't care. It's a seventh round pick, yeah. but the Big upside, athletes, like yeah, said, athletes, 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 yeah, position changes. Maybe guys who are inexperienced, like, oh, maybe they only played one year of college football. Exactly. Like, honestly, like, Davion Taylor, if he if fits he was a the profile. Pick, yeah, he fits the profile of a seventh-round guy, like, super and athletic then, yeah. and had, like, a weird football background. That's exactly like, who you're going take for. Take offensive players who are, like, 
freak tweeners. athletes. Yeah, get, like, or tweeners. Tra- yeah. Like, can you yeah. draft a kid who looks like Cordell Patterson who you could just use right, that right, way? Right, 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 like, right, right. You know, or you guys can... with injury problems, right? Like, uh, just take a chance. Who cares? Who you remember? Can... You remember Alex McAllister? Yeah, he was. Like, he was the Florida was guy, outside outside linebacker. Yeah, tweener. He had a ton thing. of injury problems. He didn't stick, but it's the kind of guy that you want to be drafted. If he worked, you had a freak athlete off the edge. Right in the seventh like, round. And who cares? Like, and then it's like, who cares oh, if it doesn't, well, it doesn't take, matter that oh, he didn't like, hit. I don't care that he didn't. Like hit. Patrick Johnson, similar where it's like, you know, he played defensive end and like outside linebacker. Could you switch him into like your your mold of like this three, this like this this weird like stand up cover pass rushing linebacker like. Who cares? Like if it doesn't work, like Jacoby Stevens is a perfect example. Who cares if it doesn't work as a six round pick? Yeah, I don't exactly. care. Exactly. I don't like, I really, other than first round picks, I, I don't care about, I really don't care about third round picks and I don't care about any pick in day three. Take as many chances as you get. Obviously don't take a project player. Like, no, obviously don't, take, don't, don't take Cordell Patterson in the first round. Davion <laughs> Taylor can, in the third round. <laughs> don't take Davion Taylor in the third round. Don't take a quarterback in the second round. You don't plan on starting. Like, don't do some of these things, but you should take good players, Devontae Smith, Landon Dickerson, with your top picks. You took a chance on a freak athlete like Milton Williams. And then, like, Kenny Gainwell, like, oh, he's like a – Kenny G, like, my boy. Yeah, that's the exact like, kind of yeah, – he yeah, yeah, yeah. he's, he's like a receiver. Yeah. He's a running good back kick back. returns from Kenny G, by the way. Do that. Like, stop wasting picks on, like – like, don't waste picks on, like, Elijah Qualls and, like, Joe Walker and those other seven-round picks, like Randall Evans – you know, don't, it's stupid. Don't waste. It's not wasting picks, but it's like you're getting a, You're taking a chance on someone who could be something, even if it's a role player. All right, Jay. Any, any, any very final thought before I hit you with two stats? Hit me with these stats. All right. The last two things I have. Number one, the Eagles are right now sixth in the NFC in point differential with plus uh, plus fifty six. Meanwhile, the people they're fighting it for against in the wild card chase. Minnesota is at plus 19. Saints are at plus 28. Niners are at plus 46. Washington is a minus 68 in point differential. So, I mean, like in terms of regression to the mean, the Eagles seem to be a good team and Washington seems to be a bad team. Whether or not that ends up playing out, irrelevant. But the Eagles have have, the, have looked oh, like... Yeah. I have, a, I, have a pull, I have a question for you. Yeah. Is Nick Sirianni, one, the best head coach in the NFC East? Um, I, I think it's definitely not judge. It's definitely not McCarthy. I think there's an argument to be made that if Rivera had a better roster, he would look better, but I'd say that there's an argument. Yes. I would say, yes, Nick Sirianni has been the best coach in the NFC East and Rivera has done the job that he was supposed to do, which was bring some stability to that franchise and make them not an embarrassment. And so by that metric, he's doing He's he's compl- like his task was to do that and he's accomplished it. So, but I I think Sirianni has been a better offensive mind. Uh, maybe he has more to play with, but but yeah, I, that's a good question. And I think for now, I would say a tepid yes. And is he the best rookie head coach? I think Brandon Staley's been. I, look, I, we don't watch we don't watch like I don't watch every Chargers game. Um, I, I think you have two. to give. Yeah, like I think you have to give Staley credit for the aggression. He's not obviously he's not designing offensive plays. Like I think Sirianni's been the best offensive mind. He's been either the best or the second best hire if you want to give number one to Staley. I would say two. I would say two, but I I do wonder what Staley, Arthur Smith has been terrible. Like I do wonder if, if you swapped Hertz and Herbert. What? Yeah, that's a that's what, a great point. What I mean, would look, they look, look like? I agree with you. I I think. I think ultimately, like it's not because Staley is a defensive guy, it's tough to evaluate these two against each other because we're evaluating Sirianni primarily for his offensive creativity, whereas Staley's being evaluated for his general leadership and aggression and those kind of decisions. Where I don't really have a good sense of how Sirianni's done in that department. The Eagles have stayed together and they haven't really, but they've had some collapses. I don't know. So, like, it's tough to evaluate these two against one another. I would say. I can clearly say that Sirianni is the best offensive mind in among rookie head coaches and a top two hire this cycle. <laughs> and I think that speaks to more to, to the, the Eagles have established a pretty competent culture. The NFL is full of really, really dumb people. Like how do they keep doing this? How do they Urban keep Meyer. 
how do they hire the most random people on the planet? And it just works. Well, well, like, like Jay, here's the thing. It's crazy because when I was criticizing Sirianni, you made the good point to me that the, the process you and I have agreed upon for a long time has been think outside the box. Don't get caught in the same like boring thinking that the rest of the NFL don't has. group think coaches. And I absolutely, and I, I hate absolutely, it. I hate and, and I've and, fallen for it too many times. Yeah, me and, too, for sure. As for Adam sure. Gase, I fell for him. I you group think coaches who get hyped, yeah, but they just don't. Have Brian it. Dable is a good example. Like he's had a bad year. I thought he was awesome, right? And so I I think you're right that that like that process that you pointed out to me is that the process on Sirianni to me the reason I was out on him so quickly is because I was never convinced by the process because I thought they were, to me, it felt like it was a panic hire of a young guy that they thought had upside and had worked with Frank Reich and Frank Reich told them he's a creative. Like that was the way I it did feel that. It, 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 and it, it played a role for sure. I can't blame you for that though. It felt right. like that. Because yeah, it, it did feel like that. I was underwhelmed when they hired Sirianni. I was, I liked him because I said, Hey, look at this sleeper. But I was like, you know, I kind of wanted Josh McDaniels. And yeah. But, but credit to the Eagles because it has seemed in multiple cycles they have done a good – and again, like before I give them credit, like they, they hired Peterson late. They got late into the hiring game. In 2016, they wanted to hire Ben McAdoo. This cycle they wanted to hire – like, yeah, they, they had Ben McAdoo in a limo on his way to Philly. They had you – know, they wanted Arthur Smith this cycle. Like, like this or is not to say that they – this is not to say that they're flawless in this department. But I think when forced to think outside the box – they do a good job of bringing guys in and having a good eye towards like, oh, this guy is impressing us in the interview. That's that's how this hiring should go is the way that they've been forced to do it. Because like in back-to-back cycles, they screwed up and then had their backs against the wall and had to make an outside-the-box hire. And that's been good for them. And so like like the, the, the criticism I had, it ends up, it, it seems to me that like as Sirianni's results have improved, it's clearer to us that the process was probably more sound than we gave it credit for. We could see what they saw. Like, we, right, right. I right. think when, like when he talks and he's energetic and like, you see him like at practice, like, like, yeah. like you can see like, oh, this guy's got energy. You could see what they probably fell in love with. And I'm glad they didn't fall in. Like they, they fell in like Arthur Smith just seems boring. He seems so boring. <laughs> yeah. Robert, I don't, Robert Sala doesn't call plays. He just yells. <laughs> yeah. Like he's got energy, but. Defense stinks. He he just yells. He didn't look like he knew anything when they played them, you know. But Dan Campbell, cool dude. But you know what is he? Doing? He's a lunatic. Yeah. Urban Meyer, Urban Meyer didn't last sixteen games. You know, you know. And Dave, imagine imagine hiring David Cully. <laughs> right. Imagine if we hired David Cully. I mean, I, I honestly think they were just like I. They were just messing around at that point. I don't even. <laughs> I don't even know. I don't, what I don't think they're actually. I, we have to be. We're rambling, but I don't think Houston's a actual NFL franchise. I think that's just like a joke. <laughs> I think that's a sick joke on the city of Houston that they have a, a team and it's just like so stupid. Yeah. <laughs> they half their roster is built up of players other teams didn't want, so they signed them to like one point two five million dollar deals everywhere. Um. Yeah. So, so the last, the last stat I had, which will end this podcast, because we've been rambling for a long time, which happens when you have two powerful football minds like Jay and myself uh, <laughs> on the pod. This is what happens. We, we have a lot, a lot to talk about. It's a lot of money. These are the money makers. These are the money making. These are the, these are the faces of the, anyway. So here we go. The last, the, the voices last, of the pod. That's right. The last, uh, the last stat I had for you from Paul Hembekides. I don't know who this guy is, but it showed up on my timeline. Since week eight, so this is the last seven games for the Eagles, the Eagles have scored on 53% of their offensive drives. The 2007 Patriots scored on 53% of their offensive drives. So, so the saw, undefeated, they're, they're, at an, they're at an offensive pace in the last seven games, albeit against bad opponents, but still give them credit where it's due. That is the matches the, the, the best the, I mean, the best team since the, what, the, the 72 Dolphins? Yeah, I saw that Mike Garofolo tweeted, like, oh, the Eagles are being compared to the 85 Bears, the 73 Dolphins, and the 2007 Patriots. Who would have thought this? But it's like, yeah, that seems so nitpicky and so picking stat. But then, like, oh, why hasn't anyone else done it? Everybody else plays bad right, teams for right, a right. from. I mean, look, like, listen, at the end of the day, they're playing bad teams because the beginning of the year, they were getting murdered by, by – it was, by it was San Francisco team. playoff team, Dallas playoff team, Kansas, Kansas City, City playoff, playoff team, team. Tampa, Tampa Bay, Bay playoff, playoff team. team. Right, like they were just yeah, even, even was, Vegas. Oakland, the Raiders were a playoff team at that. Vegas point. is Carolina seven and seven right now. Yeah, team. yeah, exactly. Like, beat was... Carolina, yeah. 
like, it was it was brutal, and you know it was. And they should have beaten the Niners. Like that's sort of they should have beat the yeah. Niners. Anyway, anyway, we're this is we, we got to cut this off at some point. So I, so as so as we end it, remember, we're the hosts that do the most. Jay and Nader, we're signing off. Maybe next time, Max and Donovan will show the, up. The other bums that we do this podcast with. Our other co-hosts who don't care about the podcast. Okay. The dedication's not there, but that's okay. Much love to all our listeners. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, listen I like it's fun that we are like we, we don't we don't do we're, we're not we're not paid uh, reporters. We are fan pagers, so we don't have to do the charade that like Zach Berman and Brandon Lee Gowton and Kemsky have to do, where they have to pretend like they're not fans, like. We can. We're fans. We, we we are Eagles fans. So go birds. But most uh, importantly, we never miss. And we never miss, right? We we never. And we when we miss, we evaluate our misses, and we talk about why we missed, and we come back and we give you guys updates, and we tell us what you're thinking, and that's why that's why you listen to us, and that's why we're the best Eagles podcast out there. So uh, for asked, all your for all your Eagles needs, tune into Behind the Birds. They asked us, what would we do if we ever missed? We don't know. I guess we'll never know. We'll never know. And on that note, thank you for listening to Behind the Birds. Uh, I have. I was going to have a fun parting word, but I don't have it. So go birds. <laughs>